Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today we're speaking with Michelle Hanton. Michelle is a multi-award winning international business strategist, coach, speaker, and writer. Her business, Dragon Sisters, focuses on helping businesses and individuals create and maximize opportunities through actionable momentum-building support. Michelle's also the founder of Dragons Abreast Australia, the breast cancer dragon boat survivor charity. Michelle, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Now, before we jump into more about your business, I would love it if you would tell us a little bit about who you are and maybe some of the things you like to do when you're not working. (laughs) Well, um, I'm an internationalist. So as a bit of background, um, my father worked for the United Nations. He was a diplomat. I was born in Malaysia. Uh, My mother is English and my father Dutch Eurasian. So I am a bit of a Heinz 57 mixed bag already. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I went to school in the middle and the far east and then finished my education in the United Kingdom before coming to Australia as a young woman. So I guess all of my life has been in that cross-cultural, multicultural environment. And um, I enjoy traveling enormously and I enjoy learning and meeting people from all different walks of life. And so I guess with hindsight, you know, when you look back, you can kind of see defining moments. And for me, it was that childhood growing up um, as a child of the United Nations, uh, which has given me the skills and, and helped me so much with what I do today, although I would never have realized that when I was growing up. But I think it has had a huge impact on the person I've become. It sounds like you've had a really amazing, diverse life. And I want to talk a little bit about how that has shaped your business. So the first part of our conversation is going to focus on your business journey. So how long have you been involved in coaching and what really led you to get into it in the first place? Okay, that's a really good question. Um, I have probably been involved not in coaching as a business but certainly in some sort of coaching for a very very long time because I've always been a leader uh, even at school you know as a prefect um, in the workplace I rose quickly through the ranks so I was always seen as a bit of um, a leader and maybe that comes from being the eldest child as well so kind of mm-hmm. bossy <laughs> but uh, <laughs> But to the more formalized side of coaching, I would say that really began when I um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, to be honest, some almost 20 years ago now. And it was at that point that I really took a close, hard look at my life, um, where I was going. And from there, I decided to do things a little bit differently. And I introduced, it's a long story, I won't go into it, but it, in a snapshot, I introduced the sport of dragon boating into Australia for breast cancer survivors based on the model in Canada. So what I had to do was I had to convince people that this was a great idea and I had to um, coach women on the techniques that we needed to use in the boat, in marketing, in media, in basically promoting this um, topic to anyone and everyone who would listen because 20 years ago breast cancer was pretty much in the closet and not a lot of people talked about it especially in Australia it was just all negative um, bad news stories people died people were suing their physicians so that if you like was really the start of where I began to to coach and then some 10 years uh, ago I established um, Dragon Sisters it will actually be 10 years in October and a large part of that business uh, is working with others and helping to bring out the very best in themselves. So I hadn't actually thought about it as coaching, but that that is what it is. And back in those days, I guess coaching wasn't such a hot topic as it is now. 
where there are so many coaches popping up all over the place. Um, originally, it was a lot of sports coaches, um, mm-hmm. but today we have business coaches and uh, I've stepped, you know, through that journey to becoming the coach that I am today. Talk to us a little bit about your business. What is it that you do? Who do you help? How do you help those people? Okay, um, I help a really diverse range of people because of my diverse business background. And um, most of my clients, I will have to say, are you know either not-for-profits or small to medium-sized um, solopreneurs uh, because they're the ones that I really have an affinity with. I pride myself on coming from a very personal perspective. I work very closely um, with people in the sense that the diversity of my, my business background is able to help a large range of people across different areas of their business. Um, I have recently um, become registered with the um, Northern Territory Department of Business, so I'm on their consultants register. So anyone who's eligible for a grant is able to select me as a business coach to work with, which is kind of a feather in my cap because it also opens uh, more business opportunities to people who perhaps could not normally afford my services. Um, so yes, it's it's pretty diverse, but I have to say I make a point. Um, I only choose to work with people whose businesses interest me and that I feel I can really do something for. Yeah, that's a great place to be. And now a lot of people don't necessarily start out in that position where they can pick and choose. They feel like they have to just take whoever they can find because they're really just getting started. And a lot of that just getting started is a lot of ups and downs. So can you talk to us maybe about a low point that you experienced when you were getting your business started? Absolutely. Okay, well, um, I can tell you... um a little story, which is only two years ago, so it's really quite relevant. Um, I left Australia and decided to have a sabbatical, for want of a better word, <laughs> and I took 12 months off away from the business to a, to a large degree, and I went to live in Spain. Um, I worked as an English teacher, and I did a little bit of freelance writing while I was away. So when I returned, uh, Basically, I'd let the business slide, but I had been through a lot of stuff in my personal life, you know, a marriage breakup, all that kind of stuff, etc. that, you know, many of us go through. It's not unusual. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, my business had suffered. So I came, I came back and I'm going, well, hello, um, <laughs> where are my clients? <laughs> so it was virtually starting from scratch. So it was a low point because, you know, I was on my own. Um, I had a son who um, is an adult but suffers from mental illness. So I'm supporting him and I needed to make money and I needed to make money quite fast. So what I did um, is what I tell everyone to do. I took my own advice, basically. Mm-hmm. I reached I reached out to my networks, not necessarily people who I had worked for, but people that knew me, um, not always in the business sense, but just knew me personally, what kind of person I was. And I said, um, hey, you know, I am needing some support. I need some help. Um, do you know anyone who could use my services? And up until that point, I had never, ever had to reach out like that in my entire career. Hmm. So it was a big step for me to take. And um, the results were really amazing. You know, I was, I mean, I'd always told people to do this, but I'd never done it myself. So <laughs> here I was doing exactly what I was telling people to do and had told people to do in the past. And it just works so well. And from that, uh, people started to to refer and say, hey, you know, come have a coffee with me. Maybe you could help me with this. Maybe, you know, my, and then they tell other people, hey, Michelle could possibly help you with that. And so the business built up again. Um, and it happened pretty quickly. So a couple of questions. Since you had a pretty big network after being in business for quite a while, what would you, and you say that you, you give this suggestion to 
to people that work with you. What would you say to someone who's maybe just getting started and they're just like, I just don't have a huge network. I don't have people that I really feel close enough to to ask for something like that? Do you suggest that they just ask anyways, that they just ask everyone that they know? Or is there a strategy if you don't really have a big network, how to build up somewhat of a network in a short period of time so you can put yourself out there? Yeah, um, that's an excellent question. And uh, the answer is this. We all have connections. We may not realize it. And that's the biggest stumbling block that a lot of people face. We don't realize how many people we actually know who and who might be able to help us. We're very good at making assumptions and assumptions are a really terrible thing because we're our own worst enemies. We decide and we pre-qualify people based on no fact whatsoever. And if you ask people, you'll be surprised what the answer might be. Um, obviously, you have to spend a little time crafting your message. I chose initially to use an email because I spent a lot of time. I was able to polish the words to get the tone just right. Um, you know, it's not simple and I won't um, make out that it is. But when you manage to polish it and phrase it in the right way, I mean, you can't sound desperate. You have to sound um, that you are genuinely asking for their help because you respect their opinion and you feel that they may have, you know, connections. So you've got to suggest that to, to them. And the thing to remember is most people like to be asked. Mm -hmm. We tend not to ask enough. So I think if you stop, you take a moment and you think about who it is that you know, um, who it is that you come into contact within your circle, um, and then multiply that because they all know people, and if you just transfer that exponentially, you then suddenly have a big pool that you are spreading your message to. That said, you do have to be quite specific about the action that you would like them to take. Mm -hmm. So if you want them to ask their friends, if you want them to uh, give you a call, or if you want them to give you a name, you have to be really specific about that. And you cannot confuse the message. It needs to be one question, one direction. Um, don't give them a whole swag of options. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, definitely. And I think that you're 100% correct with we make assumptions that we already know what the answer is going to be. And we can't know what the answer is going to be. So it's just getting over our own apprehension about how much people will want to help or how much they care or just all of these little things that are probably going on in people's minds because you really, you don't know. And I know that if someone came to me and said, hey, do you know someone or could you help me? Nine times out of 10, I'm going to. That's exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> We're our own worst enemies. And I think uh, a lot of this is we fear, we fear rejection. And so rather than ask, um, we just assume that the answer is going to be no. And I have to say um, from my personal experience and from that of my clients, the people who will help you are often the most successful people. Um, and, and quite often, you know, there are people in a similar uh, line of business to yourself, but they are very successful and they are willing to help. So if you ask if you ask the question, you'll often find they'll give you, you know, 10 minutes of, of their time or they will, um, you know, check you out and be, and be happy to give you a referral because when you are successful, you have a lot on your plate in terms of, of client work and you can't always cope with all of it. Um, that's a position I frequently find myself in. So if I know good people who are out there and I'm confident in them, mm -hmm. I'm usually happy to refer. But there's not many people ask for those referrals. Well, and see, that's something that's really great for people to, to keep in the back of their mind. Everybody has this fear of asking. Exactly. So there's not too many people that will ask. If you're that person that takes that leap of faith and you ask, you just might get a lot more in return than you expect. Absolutely. And what's the worst thing that can happen? 
they're going to say no. After you went through all of those contacts, you you, you asked for people to help you out. Mm-hmm. How did you get your business built back up again? Tell us about that point when you finally felt like, yes, I'm getting this momentum back. I'm back. This is going to work. Um, what happened was, in amongst all that, I also approached, um, I asked the people I knew, and there was also somebody that I knew, not particularly well, but she was sending me all her promotional blurbs and, mm-hmm. you know, her sales pitches, etc. You know how we all get those emails. And I could see she was making a heck of a lot of mistakes, simple mistakes, but she was very active um, and out and about in the community. So I got in touch with her and said, you know, can I have a co- coffee with you? Um, and we sat down and I just, you know, I said, I said, hey, listen, um, I've noticed that, um, you know, you might be able to do with a little bit of support in these areas, um, and I'd be happy to to work with you. Well, she jumped at that. Um, it could have gone two ways. She could have taken umbrage that I pointed this out. It could have gone two ways. So I was taking a risk, but I figured, hey, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Um, and from that... I gave her a really good rate because I was just start, you know, trying to get started again. So I gave her a really good rate, um, about half my normal price. She got great results and she has been, um, amazing for my business because she's been telling everybody about me, which is fantastic. Right. So, you know, a lot of times I'll talk to people and people really seem to be on one side or the other. As far as, you know, giving a cut rate or giving something away for free, they're either on the side mm-hmm. of never do it. No one will value something that has no value. And then people on the other side are give away, give away, give away. Even if that person doesn't eventually buy from you, they will refer people to you. It's always going to come back and be great for your business. So what's your take on those two aspects of giving away or or cutting your rate? I mean, you obviously had a really good experience by trying that. Look, um, I don't believe in, once you have set your rate, I don't believe you can cut it. But, so you can't quote at one price and then say, hey, but I'm going to slash it down to this price mm-hmm. for you. That is a disaster waiting to happen. But when you are starting off, you actually have to have a really realistic rate. You might think you're worth X amount, but you're only worth what somebody's going to pay. And if you are an unknown quantity, no matter how good you are, you're going to have a heck of a hard time getting those big bucks. So my advice is always to start with with what you need. You, You know, I have a formula that I'm always happy to share with people. So you work out what your base rate is and you need to be covering that. You never discount below that. So from there, you feel that you're being paid what you what you need. So you're not feeling that your time's devalued. You do a short-term contract. Um, you build that value, and then you can up your rate as your reputation increases. Mm. Yeah. So that's how I handle it. I do also give away quite a lot because I do, in the sense of I share information. Mm-hmm. So it costs me nothing. This is information that I have at my fingertips. And when I share it, people see the value. It showcases my expertise. And I do this through either a Facebook Live. I do it through some tip sheets. You know, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it, whatever works for you. Um, but people do say to me, how do you decide what you're going to share for free and what you're going to charge for? And the answer is this. It's really quite simple. You share your knowledge in the fact that you explain what people need to do. The how is what they pay you for. So in a sense, there's really, you can't give away too much. I mean, you can, you can tell people everything that they need to know as far as why they need to do something. But the only thing that you kind of hold back on is the real nuts and bolts of how they make that happen. And that's really where your expertise comes in. And that's why people are going to want to hire you. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the same. It, I don't think it matters 
you know, what um, kind of business you're in or what kind of coaching mm-hmm. you're doing. Um, the principle is exactly the same because, you know, think about you go to see a lawyer or um, a doctor or whatever it might be, a business coach, and they can tell you what they can tell you what's mm-hmm. wrong. Um, they can tell you what steps you need to take, but they can't. They, but they will not give you that that detail. You know that step by step, exactly how to do this, what to do um, when something doesn't go the way you planned. You know how to realign it. So it's all that detail, and that that's what mm-hmm. people pay for. Because yeah, sure, they could with coaching. Um, they could eventually figure it out for themselves after having made many mistakes um but it's often far more um economical it's um even though it costs money it's absolutely a better business decision to decide to um pay someone that will teach you how to do this um and and in what mm-hmm. manner and be there beside you um Rather than you know you can fluff around in the dark for six months or twelve months, or you can you know pay pay out some money, get it get a great coach, and have it all nailed down in you know mm-hmm. three months, and you will also have learnt new skills to take you forward. Um, for myself as a coach, I always say I do not aim to work with clients long term, so that's just me. Uh, I will work usually with them for three months or six months maximum. And in that time, they should have made that progress that they're ready to, you know, to stand on their own two feet. Their business is moving where they want it to. Um, I, I'm not about creating that dependency. Uh, that said, they may come back to me, you know, six months down the track when they've advanced their business to another point that they're stuck again and they need some more support. Uh, at that point in time, maybe I'm the person to help them or maybe they've grown beyond what I can do and that's great and I'm always happy to see that and that's the point where I, I am then needing to refer them to someone else for that level of expertise. So it's, you know, it's a moving, it's a moving platform. You know, a lot of us will set these goals for ourselves. And, you know, like you said, after you took your sabbatical for a year, your big goal was just getting that business back going again. Um, what would you say has probably been your favorite achievement that you've done in your business so far? Uh, since getting it back up? Okay, there are two particular things. Um, one is a business that had been established for 20 years. Um, was going a very successful, on the surface, a very successful business that was facing bankruptcy. I was able to work with them and pull them back from, from the brink, and they're now back on track. Uh, and I'm not a financial person, so I don't do any accounts or anything like that. I don't give financial advice. But through the strategies that I was able to work through with them, alongside their accountant, we pulled that business back, and they're going great guns. So that's number one. It was probably one of my biggest challenges. Um, number two was uh, one of my clients was a finalist in the Telstra Business Women Awards, which is a very prestigious award in Australia. So I was pretty proud of her too. <laughs> very different stories. <laughs> one highly successful and one on the brink of going under. But uh, I guess the thing is both, both challenges in different right. ways. Well, I just think that it showcases the diversity of coaching, you know, as a business. What we, I guess most people as entrepreneurs enjoy that getting up and, and facing something different every day. And I think that that's uh, just a nice story of all the diversity that can come into our businesses when we get started as entrepreneurs. Absolutely. And I think that's what, for me, certainly, it's that variety that keeps me stimulated. And you know what? I'm constantly learning myself. And I think uh, all of us, you know, when we, when we coach and when we mentor, we do learn. We, le- we learn as much from them as, as, um, as they learn from us. And, and I love that part of it because uh, it opens my mind constantly thinking of new ways and new perspectives. And 
yeah, it's just great. Well, speaking of learning and growing, what are you most excited about creating next in your business? <laughs> right. This one for me <laughs> is the biggest challenge in my life. I'm wanting to, uh, to move more into the online space mm -hmm. in the sense that uh, I'm starting to work on automation of some of my teachings. That is a big challenge because I am not very tech savvy. And whilst a lot of other people are doing it, because I am a very much one-on-one, -on -one, um, readily available, and I thrive off that interaction, I'm having some issues duplicating what we get in the face-to-face -face into the online space. So I'm, um, you know, that's something, uh, it's giving me a bit of a headache, <laughs> but it's also something I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and I guess, you know, for me, you might have gathered, um, I'm not the youngest one in the room. I've got many years of experience under my belt, which is what has allowed me to, to be so diverse. Mm -hmm. So that's a big plus for me. But on the, on the flip side of that coin, uh, the technology is something I have to master. Right. I think that's something that most people have, you know, as solopreneurs coming into it, we, we have to factor in time versus money. Do we want to learn it ourselves or do we want to pay and, and not have to bother? And I think that I'm on the side where I really like to learn things myself. And I think at some point I'll, once I've learned it, I'll hire out for things, but I really like to dig in and, and get my hands dirty so that I really know what's going on in my business. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly there um, because I find, you know, I may not have the full in-depth details, but I do need to have that working knowledge um, because then when you hire out, you're able to be really specific in what you need and you also are aware of the the capacity and the limitations of what you are asking right. for. So nobody's going to pull the wool over your eyes and say, hey, it can't do that when you know damn well it can do that. <laughs> you just don't know how to make right. it do that, but it can do that. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, and you hear all these horror stories, of, particularly um, when it comes to hiring out um in that digital space, there's some great stories, but there's also some horror stories. And that's why I think doing your due diligence and getting that rudimentary understanding yourself. Um, and if you've got the capacity to dig deep, then, hey, all the better. Now, I want to shift the conversation a little bit away from the journey and maybe a little bit more towards what's working right now in business. So one thing that coaches seem to love to talk about is the different ways to generate money online and offline. Now, some people really love the one-on-one -on -one coaching. That's what they thrive on. 20 sessions a week, they're happy. Other people like to dabble. They like to have a little of this going on, a little group session over here, maybe write a book over there. They like to, to do a lot of different things and have a lot of different streams of income. So let's talk a little bit about how you're generating revenue in your business. Okay. Well, for, um, for Dragon Sisters, there are three main streams. So the first, which is where we began, is the one-on-one -on -one coaching, but also training. So we run a whole bunch of different courses um, for small groups around creating and maximizing opportunities, uh, stepping outside your comfort zone, closing the sale, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the, the other thing we do is um, a lot of strategic content creation. And that came about really by accident. Uh, but when I was working with clients, what would happen is, you know, we talk about um, how they needed to create funnels, how they needed to create um, email marketing um, plans, you know, a whole range of things, and maybe uh, tip sheets, ebooks, etc. And it came to be that a lot of them did not know how to do this. Um, they weren't natural writers, and they wanted some help with it. So I work with. Um, my daughter, who is a qualified journalist, and with my sister, who is, she can sew ice to an Eskimo. <laughs> um, so, but we are all writers, but with very different areas of expertise. So that's how the strategic content creation came about. Mm -hmm. 
So it's kind of a nice little fit. Um, it is an area where we do tend to become overloaded at times. Right. And that is something that I share out with, with other people that, that I know and trust that can take on some of that load. Sometimes we subcontract them. Sometimes we just give them the job. It depends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, it was just, you know, it was a fluke. It's like a lot of things in business. You suddenly find another income stream where you didn't expect it. And um, I have been doing quite a bit of uh, education around um, using um, social media for your business, like a short introductory course on the, the, the power of social media, not not the ins and outs of how to actually work it, but the understanding so that um, people's eyes are opened to the potential um, that is there for free, basically. So a lot of the bricks and mortar businesses, um, particularly when they're in an older age bracket, the Mm -hmm. owner, they have no clue of what they are missing out on. So I do run a Facebook and new business um, workshop and a small online course, and that is my third stream of income. And you said this before that you're wanting to expand a little more online. So a lot of your your workshops and your trainings, you work with small businesses uh, in your area, or and do you work with larger corporations as well, or are you really focused on the smaller business? Uh, no, I do work with with large and small, I um, as well as solopreneurs. But I have to say, my passion lies with the small ones, and. You know, and that's because they don't have the big budget. You know, the big budget is great because pay they can pay the big bucks. You know, it's no problem. But you don't have the same um, connection. You don't have, for me as a coach, uh, I don't get the same, this sounds silly, warm and fuzzy feeling <laughs> from working with them. Um, whereas when it's, you know, a solopreneur or a little, you know, 10, 12 person business, um, you really can see the difference that you're making and you see it quite quickly. Right. And we don't, you know, we don't coach for gratitude, mm-hmm. but it is so nice to be appreciated. Let's be honest. We all love to be thanked. We all love to, to get that positive feedback. And you, although I get it from others, when they're small and you can see that, that difference it just um it makes me feel really warm and glowy inside but it also motivates me to come up with other ways that I can take them to the next right. level well i think that you've hit on something there that you know you you kind of chuckled at it and and i think a lot of us do but what what's the point of being in business if we're not going to enjoy it if we're not going to have fun and and it is that almost sort of this polarity I think that people get into when they get started is like, Oh, I want to, I have to earn a living. I have to make money, but who do I really want to work with? So it's really getting into that headspace of, do I just go after the business? And maybe it's at first we, we have to do that. You know, we just, we just get the business. And then as we can get established, then we can start to really hone in on, but who do I really want to work with? Who do I want to be with day in and day out? And then we can get into, you know, really niching down and and getting it to the point where every single day we wake up and we're working with that person that does make us feel warm and fuzzy. So I think that's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, we spend a lot of our lives mm-hmm. working, so you have to enjoy it. Otherwise, you reach that point where you just you burn out, um, it's not worth it. And that's the reason why so many people are getting into coaching. That's the reason why they're leaving their corporate, you know, soul-sucking mm-hmm. jobs. And they want to be a coach. Um, but when you want to be a coach and to be a successful coach, I think you really have to feel quite passionate about the people that you're working with. Right. Um, because if you just do it for money, Oh, that pays the bills and puts the food on the table, but you cannot sustain it for very long because otherwise all you've done is traded one master for another, mm-hmm. your corporate master for, you know, the dollar master. Right. But um, so anyone who's starting out and and struggling and thinking, you know, where's the money going to come from, I would say this to them. Um, 
always keep focused why you chose this line. And I'm a great believer in positive affirmations and looking forward. You know, look at how far mm-hmm. you've come. Don't look at how far you've got to go. I'm sure you've got your goals and you're stepping towards them. But um, occasionally, just give yourself a pat on the back and say, wow, I've made it this far. Mm-hmm. You know, those those small goals, those those 90-day goals that you can actually tick off, that you can achieve. And the other thing I want to say is there is no such thing as overnight. Anybody who tells you that, honestly, it's not true. (laughs) They'll tell you this. They'll show you the pictures. And particularly in the online world, you get so much of this. But believe you me, every single person there has done the hard yards. Right. So some of the things that you were talking about for revenue streams, you know, the workshops, the coaching and trainings, and then doing the content creation. If someone was just getting started and wanted to start getting into doing presentations for businesses, doing the workshops, what would be a good way to just get kicked off with that? If if all they've ever done is just worked one-on-one with clients, how do you then move into that arena of presenting, you know, one-to-many? Okay. Uh, well, first of all, you have to identify what material it is that you're going to teach or share and that really is a question of thinking back to conversations with your clients your one-on-ones and thinking back to what were the issues that they faced what were the questions that they kept coming coming up with and the solutions that you were able to implement and if you can if you can identify that that is the beginning of your workshop Mm -hmm. Because if they've had that problem, the chances are there's a whole bunch of other people who have. Now, uh, when you, when you're looking at the workshop, if, if you're just beginning, I would advise stay small, start off small and gain your confidence. Mm-hmm. Choose the topic that you are really comfortable with, you know, like the back of your hand. So, and run it live. Run it in real time. If you decide to do it online, do it in real time so there can be that interaction mm-hmm. and take the, take questions and be prepared because when you, when you run a workshop, you have to have it all mapped out, but you also have to be prepared that things are going to come at you out of left right. field. And that's why I say you absolutely need to know um, your content matter, like the back of your hand, so you can just answer or deflect as necessary. But this is the opportunity for you to really shine, to show your expertise. And um, once you've got a couple under your belt, you'll be a lot more confident stepping forward to bigger and bigger audiences. That's really good advice. And I think it goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about when it's presented that people are an overnight success. I think people can get it in their head that I can just go from from point A to point Z and just skip everything in between because that's sort of how it's presented online a lot of times. And starting out small with these workshops and starting out with something that you really know through and through and then expanding little by little, one by one, larger and larger audiences is really going to give you the confidence and make you feel much more comfortable when you speak if you start small. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there is no better. uh, Public speaking um, is scary for many people. So that's the other thing to bear in mind. Um, but when you when you do a workshop, the other thing I would say is remember that it's the title is workshop. So it means they get to speak as well as you. <laughs> they get to interact. It's not just yummy, yummy, yummer at them. <laughs> and you know what? If you allow them to interact, if you allow them to have their say, if you can answer their questions and they feel that they've been heard and um, they've you know they gain something. They're going to go out there thinking you're the greatest thing since sliced bread and they're going to sing you praises. Right. So we, we tend to overcomplicate things. And I will say this is something else I have learned. If you are thinking of doing a workshop, they don't need to be really big in terms of they don't need to be jam packed full of loads and loads of content. 
when we know a subject very, very well, we tend to forget that other people don't have this background knowledge. So one of the things is to come down to that really um, basic mm-hmm. level, not to overwhelm people. And if you want to add more, that can be a follow-on. And I've learned that the hard way, you know, um, over 10 years doing this, that's what I've learned. And, and at the beginning, things were just too complex and I could see the glazed looks on their faces and, you know, minds were all confused. And once I honed that into something very, very simple, I mean, I I was surprised at how simple it had mm-hmm. to be, um, but I hit gold <laughs> because it was so easy and I thought, really? Really? They don't know this? But they didn't. And so we have to take ourselves back to, you know, many years ago and um, and just listen and think about all the things that people outside your area of expertise don't right. know and what you've got to share with them. That's it. And then af- after you really strip that message down to the basics so that you're going mm-hmm. in, you, you look at it sort of with that beginner's mind, you create a workshop that is going to be something that just about that anybody can understand. When you go in and present that, do you then make an offer to to help people learn more or do you find ways to extend that invitation to come back and, and speak with you about working together or how how do you work that in? Well, it really, it depends on the circumstances of the workshop. Most of them I will have an offer at the end if they want to do a second, you know, a follow-on workshop or if they need some one-on-one for their business. So it just depends on the target audience. Um, but I never offer both. As I said at the beginning, you know, it's got to be one, one thing. Because when you give people choice, you actually confuse them. Um, so that's that's how I handle it. Um, but then I do follow up with them all after the workshop, usually via email, sometimes via a call. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will follow up with them, you know, two three days later, and I will just check in with how that you know how they're going and. Um, if I can help them in any way, if there's something they need clarity on. And it's usually from those conversations that the extra business mm. comes. And are you having these conversations with the, the the company that set up the workshop or with the individual people who attended? Usually with the individual people who mm, attended. Okay. And what will sometimes happen is they will say to me, hey, you know, I've been talking to my colleague. They'd really benefit. When is your next workshop? So, you know, that's that's another sale. But I guess the point I, I would really like to um, to make here is that it's really important to always keep in contact with those connections that you have made. And I don't mean bombard them with an email every week, <laughs> but I mean <laughs> keep in, in touch um, because I have in my diary, you know, sort of just after the workshop, some I might do, it depends what it was, a month later, three months later, etc. Because you never know where and at what point they might need you again. And if you go silent, uh, they forget about you. Mm-hmm. But if you come back in, and again, this is, you know, we got at the beginning of the conversation about sharing for free. Uh, sometimes I'll read an article or, you know, there'll be something that I think, well, these guys that win this workshop would really benefit from this. So I will share that information with them. Um, it costs me nothing. It's just a little email, a bit of my time. But by doing that, my name is popping up again and they're going, gee, you know, well, she thought of me. This was really helpful because it takes you a heck of a lot of time, effort, blood, sweat, tears, etc., to get people to do business with you. Once you've got them, once they've completed a transaction, doesn't mean it has to end there. I have had, you know, people that I did business with two years ago coming back to me now and referring people to me still. And that's because I've kept in touch with them in a small way. Right. So always be nurturing those relationships, even the past relationships. Don't let them fall away. Just always keep them going. Don't let them fall, fall away. No. 
but don't try and sell them stuff all the time. <laughs> Because guaranteed they're going to unsubscribe and go, oh, my God, here she comes again. Um, so, yeah. Nurturing, not overwhelming. That's exactly right. <laughs> would you say that that would be your favorite strategy for bringing clients into your business to just continue nurturing the past relationships and to, and to get referrals? Or do you have another strategy that you love to bring brand new clients to you? Well, I have to say... Um, my favorite strategy is absolutely asking for um, referrals and testimonials. Um, that, is, that is number one um, because it's, it's easy to do. So with testimonials, when, when I think of, when you say ask for testimonials, I think to myself, okay, well, I'm going to need two or three, put those on my website and I'm done. But mm -hmm. is there a way to use testimonials to like, should we keep getting them? Should we refresh them? Should we use different ones in different places? What would be a suggestion for continuing to, to get testimonials as we grow our business and as we get better? <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, you should ask absolutely everybody that's happy with you <laughs> for a testimonial at some point. Now, there are different kinds of testimonials. So, for instance, um, if you're on LinkedIn, uh, you can ask for a recommendation. If you are not an endorsement, because that's just clicking the box, but a recommendation, and that's a whole other conversation about how they work. But uh, if you're on something like Facebook, you can ask them to leave you a review, um, as well as, you know, just, ones that they write and send them to you. Now, the purpose of refreshing them all the time is they will appeal to different target markets. And I tend to, to like to use them sometimes in, in a blog, sometimes in a newsletter. Um, you know, there's lots of different ways you can use them depending on who they're from, depending on what they've said about um, what particular aspect of your business they're talking about. So when it's a, a, a workshop I'm presenting, I will use testimonials from past participants. Um, particularly for workshops, I like the reviews that appear on Facebook because that's how a lot of my workshops are advertised. And, uh, you know, they can see who that person is that's given the review. Um, they know they're real. There's a picture of them. They can click and look at their profile. There's no, you know, it's authentic. I think a testimonial where you don't have a person's surname leaves a little bit to be desired. Mm -hmm. um, although, you know, like in my business, a lot of my one-on-one -on -one clients, it's 100% confidential. So some of them I'm just not able to get a testimonial from because they don't want people to know. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. So ask, ask all the others, large and small. Mm -hmm. And yeah, constant, constantly renewing, but definitely you're on social media, you're on Facebook, get those reviews because the more current they are, the more it says about you. Yeah, that's actually really good advice because I don't know, I, I guess I'm just not even thinking the right way. <laughs> like, oh, get two or three and you're good. No, this is something that you need to be doing continuously. Just every time you have a client, if it's if it makes sense, ask for yeah. a testimonial, ask for a review. Absolutely. And um, I will just say when I when I run my workshops, I don't ask for a testimonial during the workshop. Mm -hmm. um, I do always collect feedback. Uh, we have um, feedback forms that, that are ha handed out at the end of the workshop. They are completely anonymous, so they don't put their names on them unless they choose to. And that way I get really genuine, authentic feedback about where I can improve each and every time. But, and I do say, but I do say to them as they, as they leave, you know, well, if you've enjoyed this and if you're on um, social media, I would love you to go to Dragon Sisters Facebook page and leave leave us a review. And then it's up to them. Right. That's a great tip. Now, knowing what you know now about building up a successful business, what would you say to a brand new coach? What would be the first thing that they should do if they're just getting started and they're serious about growing a successful business? Or maybe even what do you wish you had done first? <laughs> I think the most important thing to understand is it's not about you. And so many of us get caught up, myself included, at the beginning about how much you can help somebody, you know, mm -hmm. how much you know, how great you're going to be for their business. Well, they don't care about that. <laughs> um, it's not about you. So you have to be able to fully understand it's all about them. 
It is only about them. And it is about their pain point. It's not what you think is their pain point. It's not what you know is their pain point. It's what they think is their pain point. Um, once you are able to speak in that way, target your message in that way, that it hits home to their pain point, you then start to open the doorway. But if you, until you can do that, you know, you're not going to make much headway because they don't care if you're the greatest coach on earth if you're not hitting that with them. And the other thing is you really need to develop very strong listening skills, active listening skills. This is an area, again, that does not come naturally to a lot of people. Um, a lot of new coaches are very keen to jump in and show off their skill, but really you need to listen very, very carefully to what is being said and equally importantly, perhaps more importantly, what is not being said. Absolutely. That's really good. You know, Michelle, this has been so good. I've learned so much from you in this last little bit that we've been talking. And I would like to finish up now with the final five rapid fire questions. Sure. So what is one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? To be disciplined. What is one quality that you feel every successful coach needs to develop? A positive outlook. Recommend one book that's had a big impact, either on your business or on your life. Uh, you Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Give us one online resource that you think coaches would love to use in their business and that you couldn't do business without. Oh, <laughs> just one? <laughs> uh, online resource, I would say Trello. And finally, how can the listeners best connect with you? What social platforms are you on and what's your website? Okay, it's www.dragonsisters.com.au. You also find um, us on Facebook under Dragon Sisters. And I also um, have a public Facebook page, Michelle Hanton OAM. Um, I do not accept friend requests from people I do not know personally. Uh, so don't take that the wrong way, but you're welcome to contact me on the public platforms or to send an email. I respond to each and every one of those personally. Well, I will be sure to get all of those links, all the recommendations up on the show notes page. This has been such a great conversation. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the Unstoppable Coach podcast. Be sure to head over to the website at unstoppablecoach.co where you can grab the show notes and check out all the resources and the links to the guest website and social sites. And be sure you join us every weekday when I interview another successful coach and we learn their secrets to building an unstoppable coaching business. 